0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet,
2: sweet slumber.
1: To improve your mental and physical health and
2: overall wellness.
1: More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's Parenting Podcast. For Thursday, September 9th, the Board at School edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's care and feeding parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog Dutch Dutch
3: Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
0: And I'm Amy Ismail. I'm filling in for Dan Koyce. I'm probably the least qualified person on this show. I've only been a dad for two months. His name is Musa. He's with us on the show, so if you hear some squeaky that's him.
1: We're always happy to have you and Musa on the show. Oh. Yes. Credentials need not apply. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, I don't have any parenting blogs yet. <laughs>
1: yes. yes. Right. Yes. yes. On today's show, we're going to be answering a listener question from a parent whose six-year-old has become bored with school. What can her mom do to get her excited about learning again? Then we have a listener who's trying to decide if she should give in to her 11, almost 12-year-old's campaign to have a cell phone. Will it be a helpful tool or a terrible distraction? Finally, in Slate Plus, we'll be talking about the whys of everything. Why? Because it is the favorite question of one exhausted listener's son. It is the favorite question of most of our children. What can we do to answer those curious, endless whys? But first, we'll kick off the shows we always do with some triumphs and fails. We'll start with you, Elizabeth. Do you have a triumph or fail this week?
3: I have a triumph. So first, a very small personal triumph is that today, Teddy started preschool. Whoa! He he went right in. And I picked him up at noon right before coming here and he had a great day, which means that so this is week I do not have everyone in school because, you know, of course, now that I have Teddy in school today and Oliver had school today, but... (laughs) (laughs) Henry had a day off, but it was so lovely. He has not ever had a first day of school. The other two had had them in the Netherlands. So Teddy had his first day of school. That was great. But the real triumph for me is that Henry is at this school in the woods, which is this public school here just for fourth graders. And there's only 78 kids. And one of the things they do very early in the year is an overnight where they sleep under the stars. And this had felt like one of the things that was like this insurmountable kind of hurdle because we have all these medications that have to be given at different times and we have anxiety and, and all these things to kind of deal with. But the school has been like amazing in working with me. So on Thursday, he went to school and I had just signed up with the school to volunteer at all the times that he needed the medicine so that I was there doing other stuff. I could just kind of have him come over. The school can give medicine, but you have to fill out all these forms. And it's like, you know, I'd rather them just be worried about the couple he needs every week. So I was there. It was great. He did see me during like they made s'mores. He saw me during that. And there were some tears. But that seemed consistent with all the other kids seeing their parents. And even though we have like camped out before, I think he's only spent the night like with a we've had two families that I've let him spend the night with who have both been like such close friends that they're basically family and so I don't think he's ever had that like I'm going to be somewhere and I don't really know everyone the couple friends he has made at school like they're really close friends are all girls and because of the spend the night of course they're separated into boys and girls so he was a little nervous because he wasn't going to be with these friends that he's really kind of built this connection in the first few weeks of school but we had talked about it it was also pouring rain (laughs) the entire time and they're not sleeping in tents they're sleeping out under the stars. So some parents had come and put up tarps, but he was just kind of nervous about all of this. And so about 9:30 I gave him his last medicine, gave him a big hug. He went to brush his teeth and I'm getting ready to leave and the school administrator comes up and says, "We just went out to check the sites and Henry's stuff is soaked. He's the only one whose stuff is soaked. So will you come out and look at this so we can just avoid, you know, the anxiety and a meltdown? He's like I really want to try to salvage this." So I go trudging through the woods he has a whole bunch of extra sleeping bags but for henry sometimes like he can't make the adjustment to like doing something new without some coaching so i was thinking like this new sleeping bag is going to be a problem i'm like texting jeff to see if he can get a neighbor to watch the kids and run another sleeping bag out there and we get out to the campsite where all the boys stuff is and i walk over to the sleeping bag and it's not henry's (laughs) and (laughs) i had this moment of like Well, thank goodness. And then I stood there and I thought, please, please, please let the kid whose sleeping bag is wet just be cool with a new sleeping bag. So they bring the kids out and the little boy comes over and we're like, hey, your bag... Is wet. Everything else is dry. He had this adorable little teddy bear. Everything else is dry. We have this whole bag of sleeping bags. Can you pick another one? The kid's like, yeah, no problem. Picks another sleeping bag. We move his spot. He like lays down. It ended up being this sweet little kid that laid next to Henry. And they have become really good friends now from this overnight and kind of this bonding experience of this kid having stuff shaken up. Henry has no idea that we ever thought it was his stuff. <laughs> and I just feel like the universe gave me this lovely little gift. And I'm so thankful that this other child, you know, it's like you never want this to happen to another kid either. But for this kid to just be so just whatever, it was like, this is this is so great that it didn't have to be Henry. But also it didn't ruin this other child's time. And and it went so well that we actually picked him up from the camping trip and we're going camping on our own. He asked if he and his little friend Asher could sleep in their own tent. So we pitched their own tent for our our three-night camping trip. And the two of them stayed in their own tent for the trip. And I just feel like it was this wonderful learning experience. And none of the bad things I was worried about happened. So big, big triumph for the new camp family.
0: I'm so proud of them. That's amazing.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. A lot of coordination. A lot of moments where tears seemed uh, imminent. And yet... It all worked out. We (laughs) survived. Very nice. What about you, Eamon?
0: I've got a great one. Uh, Musa went to the beach for the first time in his whole life yesterday. Yay. Yeah, we only felt confident enough because recently I discovered a new off button. Like, here you can hear him squirming, but check this out. Done. (laughs) Mostly, mostly. But all he has to do is stand up and he, he calms right down. How amazing is that?
3: Oh, that's awesome. It's a new trick. Did you put his feet in the sand?
0: Uh, no way. <laughs> his skin is so, like, sensitive right now that I thought, like, if he were to even get near the yeah. sand, it will just be stuck there yeah. forever. Like, you know when you stab yourself with a piece of pencil, then it, like, stays in your body forever? Yeah. I thought, yeah. like, the tiniest little pebble could do that. Aww. uh He didn't even get, like, any direct sun. I was very careful about that because, uh, you know, I just, like, had read online and spooked myself. Everybody was like, don't take your baby. Don't take your baby on like the, bo- the message boards and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I'm going to take him, but I'm going to be careful. And it was great. It was great. My wife and I both took turns going into the water and hanging out. Oh. We ate a lot of snacks and he, for the most part, was just chilling, enjoying the breezes and enjoying the new sounds.
1: That's awesome. That sounds like a very lovely way to spend Labor Day. So big triumph. I have a fail. Not a huge fail, but I went to the beach yesterday with two of my friends from college, someone who I spent a lot of time with in college and someone who we always liked each other and never really like got to hang out and like have, you know, hung out a few times in the past year. She's moved out here. And so it's like, cool, like, oh, we can finally be friends. And like, I'm like, okay, girls stay on the beach. In my mind. And maybe because I'm forever 21. I don't know. Like, I think of the inevitability of like Instagram photos and like, so I still put on like a super slutty swimsuit because I have no (laughs) class and nobody else was dressed like that. I mean, it was just the three of us. It's fine. No one said anything. But do you ever just feel like when you're off program, you know, like here's the script.
3: Yeah, and here's you
1: over here, and so I felt a little cognizant of that, and so that was my fail, not a tremendous one because I had other options, like I eyed other options. Yeah, know? and I took not one single photo of myself because, in fact, I was the only one who didn't take any pictures. I think, partially, because the conspicuousness of my bathing suit just <laughs> was enough. I mean, it was not ridiculous. It was ridiculous in the context of, we also went to a super small beach that was like mostly families and stuff, (laughs) which, you know, I didn't know. Like, I mean, I guess I heard small beach, but like didn't think about that or whatever. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just still like, okay, well, that's the itsy bitsy bikini girl. Maybe you inspired them though to be more,
3: you know, like, I mean, I totally feel you because if I show up in the wrong outfit for what everyone else is wearing, it really throws me off. Like I like to be of the same... Yeah, the same type of stuff so like yes. if we're if we're all gonna be like if I show up and everybody's in a dress and I'm in yoga pants <laughs> I feel uncomfortable I just feel like yes.
1: oh I missed the memo I missed the memo even if it fits <laughs> the occasion yes. like if everyone yes. has on sundresses and I have on jeans and sandals yes exactly it may be appropriate but I still feel off book I feel wrong I agree I agree but I do
3: think in this case maybe though because sometimes when I show up and my friend's are wearing something that's, like, very trendy or very... I think, like, oh, I could be wearing this. Like, I didn't choose this because I don't feel confident or I don't feel this, you know? But then a friend will wear it and I'll be like, wow, the, she looks great in a romper, right? <laughs> like, she looks great in this. Like, I should wear those. I should feel more confident. But I do really feel for you. And I know how it just, like, takes the wind
1: out of your sails. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> now that I think about it, they're not inclined to dress that way anyway. Yeah. So it kind of... Ma- like the all the makings of Jamila put on a different bathing suit were there, and I just yes. I have like literally you've seen my bras, like yes, I've talked yes. about this <laughs> on the show that I have like those are my bathing suits on the bottom row. Like lots I own of, lots of options. There were options. That's where I failed myself. There have been times where it's like, well, I just didn't have anything else yeah. to put on. It's like, no, I'm just an asshole apparently, <laughs> and like my mom has cautioned me against being that person. You know, like she. <laughs> She tells this story of like the time she wore this bikini and granted there were like, it were mixed company and they were like, and she tells it as like the last time she ever wore a bikini and like <laughs> it's the end. other women's men were there and everybody was uncomfortable and she didn't like that. And I was just like, well, Mom, we're two very different people because yeah. I'm used to making people uncomfortable. And like, <laughs> I'm just uncomfortable that they're uncomfortable, but like, and I don't think I made anybody uncomfortable, but like, It just... I don't know. It's so funny because she always loves to say we have the same life. And I'm like, no, we don't. And I'm like, here I am. (laughs) Here we are. It happened to me. So I can't tell her. So I hope she doesn't listen to the show this (laughs) week. Because I will 500% not be telling my mother that I wore a bikini and that it was inappropriate. (laughs) Because I I think her goal is, like, for me to just (laughs) find these things to be inappropriate in life in general. No. You know.
3: Next time you got a text, I'm wearing a bikini, you should wear one too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will. And it's like... (laughs) And I almost said, girl, I want to say, I kind of want to take some pictures. I need to, take, you know, like, yeah. I wanted to take some pictures. That's why I put it on. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, I got there. I was like, I didn't really even feel like doing that anyway. It was a turn. I was like, today was totally a chill day. And I did chill. And the thing is, like, because I just wear bikinis, like, we've talked about the, like, how I thought everybody sunbathed in yeah. their swimsuit thing. <laughs> so, like, i have just, I don't know, like, this is just my, pro- maybe this is just my cross to bear. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just the 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 woman in the swimsuit. But what are you going to do? If it's not the first time, won't be the last. <laughs> Before we move forward, let's handle a little business. First, please subscribe to the show. It helps us out and the show will automatically show up in your feed, so it's good for you and it's good for us. And if you want even more mom and dad are fighting goodness, you should become a slate Plus, member. You'll get a whole bonus segment every week. Here's a sneak peek of what you could be hearing today about the curious whys of the world. Teddy is still
3: very much in the why or the more annoying, a very specific question. Last night, right before bed, he said, Why do we use money? And then I gave this answer, and then he said, But what is the economy? (laughs) I was like, Yes, you can major in this in college.
1: Not only will you get fun extra segments like that, you'll even get bonus episodes of shows like Culture Gab Fest and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll get unlimited reading on the Slate website without ever hitting a paywall again. So if you want to support us, please do sign up for Slate Plus. It's only $1 for the first month. Just go to Slate.com backslash momanddadplus. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much more. Get all of Slate's great parenting content in your inbox every week by signing up at slate.com backslash parenting email. And before we get into the main show, let's take a quick break.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,
1: And we're back. All right. Let's get into our first listener question being read, as always, by the amazing Shasha Leonard.
2: Dear mom and dad, we're only one week into the school year, and my first grader has already started complaining that she's bored at school. Frankly, she sounds like a jaded office worker. I ask her what she did or learned, and she answers, nothing. It's so boring. We're doing the same thing that we did yesterday. It's all the same. She enjoys her friends and has fun in her after-school program because they do fun things. What do I do at this point? Talk to the teacher or wait and see? For context, she went to a very academically oriented preschool and spent some time there doing their kinder program last year when schools had shut down. She's now in her neighborhood public school. It's possible that what she's learning now is a bit repetitive, but I truly don't know. What do you
3: think, Elizabeth? So, I think, dear letter writer, take a deep breath. It's gonna be okay. (laughs) It's one week of school. I can't be sure, but it sounds like from Henry's report and from what I remember, like the first week of school is a lot of repetitive stuff. It's a lot of, especially in the early grades, it's a lot of like just getting down the routine, seeing what people know. I think there are a lot of reasons that children can be bored when doing academics. I think it can be, of course, that they're not challenged. I think it can be that also that the material or what's happening is over their head. And so it's, easy to just kind of ignore it or say, I'm bored, I don't get this. It can also be just a way of saying, like, I don't like sitting. I like to be up running around. I like to be more active and I am bored that I have to sit at this desk. So I I think there's a lot of things going on. I would definitely let it shake out. There is usually in the early fall some kind of parent-teacher conference. I think they put this kind of early so that you have a chance for your child to kind of adjust to school and then you have a chance to check in. Of course, like if you notice other kind of disturbing behavior, I think it's never a bad thing to check in with the teacher, but I would really caution you against checking in in the way of like, my kid is actually bored as opposed to saying like, she's coming home saying things are repetitive. So I'm just curious what your take on what's going on in the classroom is because I do think that most teachers eventually introduce some kind of system of like, when you're done with work, you can grab a book or this is what we do because when you're managing a classroom with people that work at all different speeds, there has to be a way for kids to be done and not be disruptive. So something is there. It's just a question of, does your child know that yet? Do they know the rules? So I would definitely, though, in the first week kind of hold off. But in in the next few weeks, if it continues, and certainly this is something you can discuss at the parent-teacher conference to just say, this is what she's telling us. How can we as parents help support those rules or the systems you have in place. And I also think it's a great time to encourage her to solve some of her own problems. Like ask her, well, what is it that you feel bored? You know, have you done this work before? And is there other things you can do? Is there a rule about, you know, what you can do when you're done with your work? Like those sort of things, because I think it's important that, the, that kids start to learn to handle some of these problems. Look, we're all going to be in situations in which We are the smartest person in the room. We're all going to be in situations in which we are the dumbest person in the room. And it is important to know what to do in both those cases and how to manage this kind of of boredom. I don't know. That's my... So basically, I think you just need to calm down.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad you made those points because I don't even know how I would begin to answer that problem. I mean, in so far of what I've seen in other kids, because my baby is way too small, two months, but I've seen them try and communicate certain things. By using something that's like within their language. So sometimes when they say I'm Mm. bored, really, it just means Mm. that there's like something else going on. Maybe they like feel shy or they aren't sure what to do when like the in between times or something else. Mm -hmm. So like give your teacher the benefit of the doubt because I kind of feel for them because they're the ones who have to like do the repeating if it is repetitive. And try and see if there's like another fire that needs being put out.
1: I think you're both raising really good points and I'm bored is definitely can be a cover up for I'm insecure. I'm nervous. I don't like this. I don't get it. But the school year is so brand new, as Elizabeth said, like, I think you really need to give everybody some time to get used to it. Like the first week of school can be super repetitive because you're trying to get all these very different little learners into the habit of raising their hand to use the restroom or to ask a question and you know, there's a lot of rules and just clutter that goes into the first few weeks of school at most public schools, honestly. That said, I also had a child that went from a really academically and culturally focused preschool into a local public school that was a high-performing public school, but also just kind of came with some of the challenges in terms of resources and classroom ratios, you know, et cetera, that come with public schools. So do be mindful of you know what your child is experiencing academically, and if you find yourself at a point where it seems that they're not being challenged and not getting what they need to, you know, successfully make it from one grade to the next and having having learned things as opposed to simply passing, then you know, perhaps it's time to reconsider the school. But I think at this point, you should give your teacher and the little one some grace.
3: I also wonder a little bit like from the mom's perspective like she says she asks questions like what did you learn today or what did you do and I don't know about you guys but those like my kids don't respond very well to those questions I I find that if I'm like more just kind of let them talk or say like did you do act like something that I know that they do or did you know also maybe asking about the stuff that she really does enjoy and see if the other stuff kind of trickles in, I find better. Like My kids are much more likely to to answer questions about like what they did on the playground <laughs> than what they actually did in school. And I have yep. to just kind of trust that eventually they're going to supply me with some of that information in order to have a conversation, if that makes sense.
0: Is there anything that this parent can do at home that can get their kid more interested in school? I almost feel like if I was in that situation, I would be Trying to think of something, some activity that's like play related that could also involve them like sitting down and drafting like drawing or something. Mm. I don't know.
1: I think that could work too. I think that like this is definitely a good time to try and be collaborative with the teacher, you know, and talk about ways to keep your little person and other kids that are losing focus engaged. I think there's also the big COVID asterisk next (laughs) to... Everything that we have to remind ourselves that like this teacher is not having a normal school year that these kids have not had a normal trajectory from preschool to kindergarten to first grade that everything is a bit off so. Expect the school year to be challenging in ways that it would not have been if we weren't living through a pandemic and, you know, just be patient with everyone involved, but be proactive and ask questions. But as Elizabeth, as Elizabeth said, your kids definitely at the age in which the how was school, what'd you learn today? What did you do? What stuck out for you? Question is just likely to be met with Absolutely nothing. But if you listen, <laughs> they may drop some nuggets yeah. of you know interest throughout the dinner time conversation. You know, like their eyes will light up and they'll mention something that happened in the science lab or whatever. You know, and you'll figure out what they actually care about. But on the ride home from school, forget it.
0: What I w- I won't do what my parents did, which is say school's supposed to be boring. Suck it up. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> like that's sort of like the message was. was like I was bored. And like, well, who cares? You're going to go to school and you're going to like it. That didn't yeah. really work. But what did get me more interested in school, I can't remember being like kindergarten or anything, but like definitely first grade was doing extracurriculars and, and getting involved in like the post-school life. And, and I remember one time I asked for the teacher to give me something else to do after I was done. And she handed me a broom and said, sweep. And I was like, (laughs) I felt like the coolest kid. I I loved it, actually. I was like, I felt like I had responsibility. And then it started this whole trend where everybody else wanted to turn with the broom afterwards. It was first grade. (laughs) Like, that's sort of like.
1: The smartest teacher. That's so funny. (laughs) The The smartest teacher teacher of all time.
0: But after that, I couldn't wait to get to school because I was like really excited to get through the stuff that I thought was boring so I can get to the broom and and do all the other stuff.
3: There's. A really great podcast that we listen to called Wow in the World. It's like a family podcast, like for kids. And they actually have an episode on the importance of being bored. And so you could also listen to that. Like listening to that did kind of knock this idea out of my kid's head that boredom was something I was supposed to fix. And instead, it's something like that they can either sit in and that's okay, or something that they can fix by, you know, listing things alphabetically in their head. I don't know, thinking like this is an opportunity for your brain to wander and do things. So that might be something too, is explaining kind of the importance of boredom and also the importance of of what's happening in school, like, yeah, not everything we do is always like as fun as recess and extracurriculars. But there's definitely reasons for it and finding value in that. and also kind of this idea. I mean, I, I think that's kind of fundamentally different than, like of course, it's boring, but saying, like, well, boredom <laughs> has a place, too, right? like this is this is something that exists in life. We as adults are often. <laughs> Bored. we're often forced to be bored <laughs> so, so you know like no dmv is worried about it. you can't just
1: be like i'm bored
3: <laughs> fix this for me
1: that is life life <laughs> life can be boring sometimes that is a lesson to learn too okay well listener, thank you so much for your letter. And we hope that the school year turns around very quickly for your little one. I'm sure that it will. If you have a conundrum that you'd like for us to consider, please send us an email at slate.com. Okay, now we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. Let's get on to our second listener question. Take it away, Shasha.
2: Hi, Mom and Dad. My 11, almost 12-year-old is lobbying hard for a cell phone. He's starting middle school in a new building this year and may have to get himself to and from school sometimes. Plus, he has ADHD. So I'm hoping that the calendar app on his phone would be helpful to him for remembering events and deadlines. And I'm also really looking forward to him learning how to do his own social coordination. On the downside, I'm worried he'll get distracted by it. He already has a lot of access to devices at home, but they can't travel with him to school. I'm very concerned about social media, but I would definitely block any and all social media apps for years to come. And I'm a bit worried he'll lose it. He's pretty responsible, but again, ADHD. I know middle school is a wild world. Should I be worried about things like kids sending inappropriate pictures at that age or bullying? What else am I missing about cell phones and kids?
1: Uh, the answer, the short answer is yes, you should be worried <laughs> about all of those things, but that doesn't mean that your kids shouldn't have a phone. Amen. what do you think?
0: Uh, I, I might be a little hardliner on this, but I'm going to say no. No cell phone, dude. Come on. Like, no. No, especially if you're worried about them not being able to reach you. If that's really what you're worried about, give them a piece of paper with your phone number on it. And I'm sure somebody around will have a phone. I, I might be the only one here who's going to who's gonna feel this way, but come on, like, isn't 12 years old, like, way too young for, for something like that? In my view, it's it could only be distracting, and it can't really serve them in, in all the ways that you hope that it might. I, I think it's too high of a risk, to be honest. I know for sure that my kid isn't going to be able to get a phone until they can afford it. I remember when I was a kid. I, I know, I know, I know. I'm getting looked. We don't believe you. Not one. But uh, not here's the thing. I, at least when I grew up, I, we had pay phones. So I had no problem yeah. finding a spot as long as I had a couple quarters. I was, I was able to reach people when I needed to. But nowadays, it, oh, maybe an iPod touch or something where if they can get Wi-Fi, they can, they can make a call or a text or something. I, I would be so worried about handing someone a device like a cell phone where they can reach the world at any time in their pocket, it's going to be just so hard for them to create more connections with the real world at an age when they really should be. That's just how I think about it.
3: I actually don't disagree with you. <laughs> I, My <laughs> gut reaction is, no, you should not give a phone to this child. I think that... Particularly with ADHD, which is uh, in some level like a dopamine seeking, you're seeking a lot of that that hit and cell phones are that they they can give you that. And so I think that even though you have a rule follower, I just think how many times have I been sitting up way too late and I'm scrolling through Instagram or scrolling through something Mm -hmm. getting that hit? I know I need to put the phone down. Guys, I am a I am an excellent rule yeah. follower. I am yeah. excellent at keeping a schedule, and still I have seen numbers on the clock come that should not come cuz I have to get up <laughs> early. So if I can't Sorry. handle it, how is this kid, you know, whose brain is not fully formed because they're only 12, you know, going to be able to handle this? I think there are other options. I definitely think like a paper planner or looking into there are definitely phones with kind of very limited means understanding what is available at the school to communicate that they got there or not. I know, like at school in the woods, which is my experience with public schooling here, you're able to call and check in. We also have an app that shows who has been marked present for attendance and and work it out that way. So there are there are other options available, I think. I just don't see that for what you need that you're going to be able to control unless you get one of these devices that like only calls home or only has a couple of apps. I also think, you know, you say like, oh, I could use it for a calendar. I think managing that is so difficult. Like there are adults that struggle with that and really understanding, like, I have to put all this stuff in. I have to be able to type. I have to then check the phone. It, it really tethers you to this. And something like a paper planner is, is a better way also to create that mind hand kind of, I don't know, for me, when I write something on a calendar, it's like I remember it versus like when I type it in, I'm really relying on the phone to remind me of it. So figuring some of that out. Now, all that being said, I know that like between 12 and 13 is the average age for kids to be getting cell phones and I think there is a a real chance that this turns out to be what you decide to do and i think that if you do that you need to have really clear limits on what your expectations are for your child with this phone and what the deal is if they break those expectations there need to be really set expectations of like privacy and and there are some apps out there the the app forest is a focus app that keeps you in particular Apps And also encourages you to not have your phone open during certain times. I think you really need to look into things, things like that, because I I just have this sense that there's some inevitability that like you're asking permission in this letter because you would feel better if they had a phone. And if that's the case, then that's the choice you're making. And I I think that's okay. But I think you really need to understand that once you hand them a phone, it's very hard to take it away.
1: But uh, Jamila, what do you what do you think? (laughs) I actually do agree. But there's a big asterisk. If your child is going to be traveling to and from school by themselves, they need a phone. Like, I don't think that any kid that has a daily commute at this point should be without a phone. Like, there is a time in which we, you know, I'm sure the three of us all did daily commutes without cell phones, but there wasn't necessarily the easy option to have one. I don't like the idea of your child being at the behest of another kid or having to engage with an adult, especially if something were to go wrong on the trip, you know, to or from school. So if that is the case, they should get the most limited access to virtually nothing, basic cell phone option that exists. They still make those kitty phones, You can get them the type of phone they have for senior citizens, whatever it is. It doesn't need to give them access to the whole world, just the ability to make a phone call in an emergency. And you can even have them check it in when they get in the house, you know, so that they're not using it to make phone calls without your permission. With that, you know, you're not far off from it being a reasonable thing. You know, I struggle with I don't know exactly what the age is. For me, I think it's really a matter of like, when are you commuting back and forth, right? But like, you know, almost 12 is almost 13, right? And I would imagine that a 13 year old would probably be a reasonable candidate for a cell phone. You know, this is somebody that may be going into high school or is almost going into high school who has a social life of their own and, you know, communicates with friends outside of school. You may not even have a house phone, so they're going to need the, you know, ability to call people without saying, "Mom, can I have your phone every five minutes?" And at some point, like, even with access to other devices to do schoolwork, there are games and apps and things that you will deem to be permissible for your children. It may be, you know, there's a lot of people use the Facebook Messenger for kids app. I haven't tried it yet, but I know a lot of kids Naima's age that use it. and Their parents love it you're just going to have to start thinking about what safety looks like for you and what you want to block and what you want to allow and start investigating those things. You know, I think that's what it really comes down to that. Even when you are ready to put a cell phone in their hand, you're not just giving it to them like here, you know, it's not a matter of like, either you don't have one, which means you have no access to inappropriate content, which is wrong because one of your friend, one of his friends undoubtedly has a cell phone with no parental controls and they're bringing it to school and the kids are looking at it you know like that's going to happen at some point if it hasn't already you you can't keep them from everything but you also can't cut them off from the rest of the world in a way that the rest of the world is using to communicate and i do wonder if because of the pandemic kids that might have not been really at the cell phone age yet like is Mm -hmm. this becoming an 11 and 12 thing as opposed to a 13 year old thing because of like naima had access to a phone for a while during the pandemic and then i realized that was absolutely ridiculous but i mean she has a tablet which is effectively the same thing but i realized that like allowing her to play with the phone and and feel like it was hers was you know like you said taking it away was like a thing and i was like this was never like a forever thing this was like mommy needs you out of her hair this is really (laughs) the wild wild west around here here's a phone to play with you know but jamila during that time what did you do about like privacy with texting and with all like was
3: naima clear that there was no expectation of privacy or or did you let her have set like in terms of when she's texting friends or because i know like sometimes she'll text a friend or your mom on your phone yeah
1: yeah I've always like my face is always right in her you know anything she's doing I'm like you don't have privacy on a device like you're not there yet when you I have it you know because she'll be like oh my dad said and I'm like why are you reading your text you know the text messages between your dad and I and like every so often I might be like oh text your dad and say we're outside or whatever but like typically you know like my text messages are for me and like She gets a little bothered by that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. hypocrisy, if you will, that like she doesn't have unfettered access to my communication, (laughs) but I have it to hers. But like, (laughs) yeah, I think so long as I do think that like for the most part, for the majority of the time that you're paying a child's cell phone bill, I do think you should have access to their communication. You know, I think there becomes a point as a teenager and you decide what that looks like, because some 15 year olds might not be ready for that. It might be like, nope. You know, like, you get this device, but I'm still going to read it at any time. Yeah.
0: I mean, I wanted a cell phone when I was, like, 16. And a lot of other kids in my high school had cell phones. And I remember asking for one. And my parents literally just laughed. And they were like, "Uh, sure, how are you going to pay for it? You know? And and there was just no way for me to do it. But I remember part of the reason why I really wanted one was because a lot of other kids had them. Yeah. So I, I wonder how much is this mom trying to justify this purchase for herself? Well, really, their kid just really just wants one to, to fit in with their friends or to, to be like anybody else. So I almost wonder, even if you were to give them one with the expectation that they're going to use it for this and you're going to have all these parental controls and everything else, you might be feeding into something else that's not healthy. This this idea that they need like to consume, they need to be consumers so that they can have healthy social lives. That's just something I'm worried about, right? I I like set my mind and you're probably right that it's going to change a thousand times before it's like time to make that choice. But I've already decided that he's not, my son's not going to be getting any of the cell phone stuff. He's not going to be getting all the stuff that his friends are going to have at that same time. And I'm going to drill it into his head that you're different and you have Mm. this whole set of guidelines that you have to live by because you're my child. And so Mm. I've already like decided that that's how I'm going to do it. But you're probably right. Who knows? Maybe like tomorrow I'll have a different answer. Maybe I'll talk to the wife and she'll have like a whole thing. And I just got to take her lead. (laughs) Who knows?
3: I really do feel for this mom because I know like with Henry going off to school, one of the things I was worried about is like, you know, he has to take these medicines and remember that. And of course, there are people at the school that help him remember that. But how convenient would it be if he had a device that you know, went off or I could remind him or I could do this. But looking at that, you know, I was thinking like, could I get him some kind of smartwatch where I could just send stuff so that it would be a receiving only there are, you know, there are all these options, but I agree with you. Like at at this point I've sort of decided, no, all of that opens doors that I'm not really interested in walking through with him at this, (laughs) at this point. But I do think that for as much as, like I said, I, to me, 11 and 12 seems so young But I also don't know what that's going to hold for us or where he's going to be or what our schedules are going to look like. And at some point, the desire to also make my own life easier by having them have some contact, you know, there's a real like pull to that.
1: I think as long as you can keep your children away from a phone as you can, you should. They have the rest of their lives to be unhealthily attached to these devices. You just also want to make sure that they're never in a situation in which they can't reach you easily. And, you know, the fact that pay phones don't exist anymore really has changed it. Like, I know in theory you could ask anyone, but who wants to ask somebody to borrow their cell phone?
3: No, I, I see, you know,
1: yeah. like, especially a stranger, but we're all on board with you saying No. Well, uh, Letter Writer, thank you so much and good luck with this. You will be fighting with your child over cell phones for the next uh, seven to eight years. Best of (laughs) luck. If you have a conundrum, again, that you want us to consider, please send us a note to momanddadislate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. And of course, before we get out of here, we're going to do some recommendations. Elizabeth, what do you have for us this week? So we
3: were camping this weekend, and one of the things we like to bring is this Wise Owl hammock and straps. They're like a travel hammock. You can basically put it up anywhere, and the straps wrap around the trees without doing any damage to them. They're really cool, uh, and we love to bring that. And, and now I have more independent readers than non-independent readers. And so we put up three hammocks, and the kids all just sat in them and looked at books for like an hour every day camping. It was amazing so i would definitely recommend it we bring them most of the time i just have them in the car because you never know when you might be somewhere and just put up put up these little hammocks you could certainly also put them up in your backyard and we have little clips here at home that we can like clip them to indoor and have just these little collapsible hammocks they pack really small the straps are really small and they just wrap around a tree it's really great so they're made by wise owl and i i highly recommend them
1: very nice amen what about you
0: Uh, Okay, so I got something really bougie this time. I actually got this a couple weeks back, but now just thought of like the ultimate baby function. My baby's still you drinking a lot of formula, and so we are constantly like packing little measured out portions with us, but we're always looking for a a good water source before we start mixing it and using it. And uh, I, I went and like did this impulse buy. I got this really fancy water bottle that has a UV ray built in. It's called the Lark bottle. And what it does is it shoots UV rays into the water every 90 seconds and like kills like 100% of the bacteria, making oh, wow. it safe for baby consumption. So I'm really hyped about that. We haven't used it yet. But if it works as advertised, this is going to be a lifesaver because we are planning on going on a couple trips real soon. And we aren't sure what the water situation is going to be exactly. So in this case, we could just pour in some tap, zap it, and then uh, throw some formula in there and give it to our baby. I'm really, really excited about it.
1: That is very cool. One of the most annoying things about traveling with a baby who's drinking formulas trying to find good water. So Mm -hmm. it sounds super useful. All right. Well, I am going to recommend making your own bootleg sangria. It might not be bootleg. You may actually have all the proper ingredients in your house, but I had a beach day yesterday, as I mentioned earlier, disgracefully. Uh, <laughs> but I did succeed, in, or I triumphed in bringing some sangria that I made essentially with just stuff that I had in the house. You can find a cheap, sweet red wine. Manashevitz wine is good for making sangria uh, because it's already sweet. You don't have to add much sugar. I used some of Naimas fruit cups and I had some fresh strawberries and blueberries. I made a red one and a white one. And I didn't have brandy, so I used a Grand Marnier and so I did one with Grand Marnier and one with rum. And also Grand Marnier. And they were both really good. I did a white one and a red one. And it was super easy. And like, even though I did go to the grocery store to get like a little bit of fruit and another bottle of wine, I really could have just made it. It was what I had in the house. So <laughs> all you need fruit, juice, wine, sugar, if you please, some sort of spirit, soak the fruit, introduce it to the wine.
3: How long do you have to soak the fruit?
1: Ideally, at least two hours. You can do it overnight. I mean, I did it before getting dressed for the beach and it was just <laughs> <Yeah>. fine because <laughs> you know, it's sitting in the spirit while it's in the bottle with the wine anyway it just you know it's not the yeah, same yeah. as having like the really pungent fruit like at one point in my life I was a sangria master I took it very seriously and I made it all the time so I always had all the proper ingredients and I would let my fruit soak forever and stuff but I found that people tend to like it either way it's kind of hard to get wrong
3: I think I've always been like, I I have not attempted it because by the time I think it's a good idea, I like have some time, but not a lot of time. So you're
1: saying do it anyway. (laughs) Do it anyway. And it's so, it really doesn't have to be a big, like it can be a big production with a lot of fruit cutting up and a lot of soaking and all that stuff, or it can be really quick and dirty and like a bowl with some fruit and let it soak in there and pop that in the refrigerator and... You know, put your wine in whatever container you're going to use. I put one back in the bottle. And oh, then the fancy! Way, yeah, I just <laughs> pour it. I, I use the funnel and like pour it yeah. back in the bottle, and I squeeze the fruit in there. And then the other one, I have a like a pouch thingy that I got from Nordstrom Rack or whatever. You know, where you can like yeah. fill it up and it has a wide mouth, and then you can squeeze it out with a little spout. So it's very convenient, and everyone is happy when you show up with sangria. I promise I, you.
3: I love this.
1: It's like bringing a bottle of wine, but with a higher alcohol content. Love it. That's our show, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, if you have a question for us, expert advice givers, email dad at slate.com or post to the Slate Facebook parenting group. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Morgan Flannery. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Eamon Ismail, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening.